Welcome to Couch Buddies. Hi, I'm Kia. I'm Michelle. And we are going to talk about a movie that has everything. It's got fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, and miracles. And by that, of course, we mean 1987's The Princess Bride. Which, if you haven't seen it yet, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't um, know why you're listening to this. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, get get thee to, to Netflix or Hulu or somewhere that offers it. And uh, you need to see it because it is one of the greatest movies ever. I don't say that lightly. No, it, it does have a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So that's pretty good. And an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Which is pretty great. For, for IMDb, that's, yeah, that's one of the highest ones I've seen on IMDb. It is. And obviously that's one of the highest Rotten Tomatoes because it's pretty close to 100. So. Yes. Full honesty here. This is a movie I have literally been watching almost my entire life. This movie, I am three years older than this movie. I am one year older than this movie. Yes. So, and I've, I remember as a kid going to the video store. Um, yes, video stores. There, and there were some that existed before Blockbuster, which is no more. Um, going to a video store with my parents and picking out the same three movies every single time. <laughs> and they were uh, the Rankin-Bass, The Hobbit cartoon, um, the also Rankin-Bass, The Last Unicorn cartoon, and The Princess Bride. And I still, like, I have it ingrained in my mind of what that VHS box looked like sitting on the shelf of that video store. Like, I would make a beeline for it every time. I've been watching this movie since before I was in kindergarten. And it had been a little while since we, we just finished rewatching it. Mm -hmm. And I had forgotten that this movie is so funny. It's funny and it's charming. See, I have a really different history with yes. it than you do. I think the first time I saw it was on cable. Right. Which we didn't have cable, so that would be satellite. <laughs> but I remember I saw, I think I saw like, you're going to get really mad when I tell you, I think it was in like oh, no. a back-to-back -back thing. I think it was the pirate movie followed by oh, the Oh, the Princess pirate Bride. movie. I, oh, I think geez. it was like on like, I don't even remember. We, we had not had satellite for very long. Yes. And I was probably ooh, 10 or 11, maybe. Yeah. And my mom didn't like it. Oh, man. At first. She likes it now. Yeah. I think it was one of those things she had to sit down and actually pay attention to it. And I think she came in on like the R.O.U.S.'s scene. And <laughs> Which is a little weird for a walk-in. Yeah, yeah. And so she was like, like, I think that's where he found it. Like we were channel surfing or something. And that's yeah. where we like found it. And it was like, yeah, I don't. And the man wrestling with a giant rodent. It's a little yep. off-putting. Yep. And so, like, for that, I think it was a little a little rough until we were older and and I could understand, you know, number one, the satire of it. Yes. And that and that side of things. And once mom could, my mom saw that part, it was much, mm -hmm. much easier to watch in our household. But, yeah, the first time I don't, the first couple times we saw it, I think I loved it. I think my mom was like, this is a stupid movie, turn it off. <laughs> which is, which is, to be fair, my yeah, mom has it's... been subjected to more than enough stupid movies from her children. Right. My sister made her watch Twilight. So, oh, and the Twilight shade begins. Yes. Um, Getting in early on those digs. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's my history with it. My husband didn't even see it till college. Right. That being said, we, we own it. We love it. I mean, it's, yes. it's one of it's... our favorite movies. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things that I for me, like I didn't fully appreciate. And it's something that 
like real it took until college for me to re- because i you, know, you and i both grew up in very small towns yes and and so we didn't always have a lot of the same like cultural touchstones that a lot of other people did true and for me i was always the oddball like i was always the weird like outsider in my school 10th grader the red gone with the wind trust me i'm right there with you same for fun <laughs> yes oh it, right here right back at you um and i i had you know, as I said, I've been watching this movie all my life. The only reason people, like people in my hometown, ever watched it is because I made them. <laughs> and you know, I would have, you know, I'd have friends come over for sleepovers. I'm like, oh, you have to watch this movie. And I would just, I would quote the entire thing, and like, I just, I love this movie. And they'd be like, yeah, it's okay. Um, and so it was not until college that I realized just how much of a cultural touchstone this movie is for people. Mm-hmm. Because, and it's one of my favorite memories from college, where, um, it was one of my favorite memories from college, and, and like, it's, it's, it's a movie that it didn't do very well at the box office. No. Like, critically, it was not a hit, but it was with the, you know, with it being released on, on video, it sort of, you know, had new life breathed Yeah, it was in one of those big, one of those big first wave ones, right? Yes. Like, it was, yeah. Pretty much, Yeah. And, and didn't you so, tell me once you wore the was it this you wore the VHS tape out? Yes. Yeah. I have had I currently have this on DVD and Blu-ray, and I had um, three different. I've also had another DVD copy which I got which got scratched in college, and I had to buy a new one. Um, but yeah, I did have multiple VHS copies of this that I owned, wore out. I owned two DVDs at one point, but that was through a series of unfortunate misunderstandings. <laughs> My mom thought I was talking about Princess. Bride, right. and I was talking about Princess Diaries. Diaries. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But but, but this, I did give it to somebody who had never seen it, and I said, just I'm just giving this to you. you? It's a gift. Go home and watch it. It is a gift. Just it's, go home and watch it's it. It's the greatest <laughs> gift. Um, but this this moment in college, it was you know, where you and I went to college, everybody did a work study. Mm-hmm. And so it was a Saturday of working in the cafeteria, and I was on shift that day with um with our friend Kim. Yep. And our friend Megan might have been there. I don't remember. But it was a Saturday. We, you know, we were there all day. And somebody mentioned The Princess Bride. And here I'm thinking, it's like, oh, there's one other person here who has seen it. I'm, I have to gravitate towards this person. And as soon as somebody mentioned it, another person on the other side of the room went, Fezzik, are there rocks ahead? And a third person yelled out, if there are, we'll all be dead. And it started this chain of the rest of the day. Everybody was just yelling quotes of this movie out at one another throughout the cafeteria. And we got to the point where we were we were prepping for dinner. It was like the doors were about to open. You know those few minutes where you just kind of end up standing around? Yeah. Wait, like, yeah. like the line is set up, but we can't get our food yet and, and everything yeah. like that. Just those few minutes where you're just hanging around waiting for the cook to tell you to eat. Yeah. So we're all just standing around there. And a guy who you and I were not the biggest fans of, Jacob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> Jacob is standing with his back to to the wall like where all the plates were and standing in between the server lines and i just vividly remember it like i, I said the phrase wesley what about the russ and he goes rodents of unusual size i don't think they exist and kim tackled him from behind and it was one of my favorite memories from college and like it's it just proved to me what a touchdown this movie is 
And the fact that, you know, some years later we showed it, like we just put it on in the background during um, open house mm-hmm. when we could, you know, co-mingle in the dorms. Yeah, we went to a, an interesting school. <laughs> we did. But, you know, we had it on and like everybody that came in would just immediately like pick up and start quoting it. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird because it's such a rare, like, it's one of those things that generations now have watched yes. it together and... And something like that it, it works out in a really weird way to where like like you you watched it with your family yes i didn't really have the same thing but there are very few things that i have with my parents like that we'll talk about <laughs> some of them at some point on this as we're doing this i'm sure but but it's something that i had the weird thing about college i think we both can agree with this it's where you found out you weren't the only freak yes exactly like, coming from small towns to find out that other people not only read fan fiction but wrote, wrote it, it? And they were real? And I could reach out and touch them? Yeah. That was strange for me. But it's the <laughs> same thing. Like, like it was a similar thing. Like, having that, that sense of connection. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think... I remember hanging out with you and watching and it being on. Like, we probably right. had it on it was, tons of times. Oh, yeah. It just kind of became... A background movie of of if it any and and multiple times and you could quote it anywhere any place oh exactly and multiple times um Anne and I had a system of uh, my my former roommate Anne um when, when we had a system in college where we would want to watch a movie but we didn't know what and so the one who suggested putting on a movie it was there it was the onus was on them to go through and find the movie to watch. And we'd flip through my book of movies and and we'd narrow it down. And The Princess Bride was always in one of those choices. You know, we'd yeah. be reading like Ella Enchanted, you know, here's this, here's this. The Princess Bride, it would always come down to like, it was always in like at least like the top three choices. Oh, yeah. And so it just became, like I said, it's such a... Like I keep using the phrase cultural touchstone, but it really is. And, it is. and part of it part of it could be just because we are of a certain age. We're old, you can say it. Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm very old. I, that is my first note. We're in our thirties, man. I know. That makes this movie thirty years old. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes, movie's thirty one now. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my first note is that is that I'm old because I remember playing the video game that the grandson is playing at the start of this. Oh, well, so do I. But, but like, that was because I didn't get it. So I was, <laughs> like, like that whole being from the, the country and having no money thing. You're a little bit behind on the... Right. So what... Um, so some facts about this movie. It was written by... It's based on the book by William Goldman. It was based on his book, The Princess Bride. Which is a little bit trippy trying to read it um, because it's full of... He creates this whole story about the story itself. And it's the story that he tells at the opening of the book is like that this was a story that, you know, that his father or his grandfather had read to him when he was a boy. And and then, you know, he got older and like he was sick sometime and like the story was just stuck in his head and he couldn't get rid of it. And so then like he tracked down the publisher and it's just, it's a bunch of malarkey. It really is, but it's an entertaining yarn. Um, and he, um, but you know, when, when it came around, you know, he, he was the one to adapt it into the screenplay for the movie. And, you know, William Goldman, you know, for those who aren't aware, he's been, he's the man behind the screenplays of such illustrious movies as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and All the President's Men. Um, he did Misery, 
which I was surprised by. Yeah. That surprised me. I don't know why. Um, but he also did um, there uh, the movie Chaplin, mm-hmm. which uh, RDJ is in that one, right? Mm, yes, yes, yes. He plays Charlie. Yeah. Yes, that's right. He plays Charlie Chaplin. Right. And when then, you said Chaplin, my head actually went to like the priest, and I'm like, huh? Oh, Chaplin, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. No, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie yeah. Chaplin. Yes, the movie. Um, yes, and and also now. like another another Stephen King vehicle. He did Hearts in Atlantis too. Um, you know, he's didn't realize he did so much like adaptation work, but yeah. like, and he also did a movie called heat, which I've seen once in my life. And I watched only because Val Kilmer was in it. Did not understand a goddamn thing. <laughs> I was too young to watch it. Um, yeah, like, the, the, the other thing about the, about Bill Goldman, I think is interesting. Yeah. Like, and I, you're going to hear us reference this a lot. Uh, the, the book, as you wish by Carrie always, uh, he actually talks about the table read and how Bill was a very like shy person. Yes. Uh, he said, but please understand this is a very personal project. Normally I don't care for my work, but this one is different. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite I've ever written in my life. So if I appear a little nervous, that's the reason. And like for someone like him who had already done Butch Cassidy, he, he'd already done like all, all a bunch yeah, of all, all presidents men. men. Uh, he'd already done several things right. that were really big for him to be nervous mm-hmm. because this was literally the, the best thing he felt he'd ever written. Right. Like to me, that was just kind of a, kind of a head trip but yeah. it makes sense like right. you want it to be done right so it makes sense that that would be something that you would care a lot about oh but yeah. yeah at the table read he was like very much making it clear and it like he's like don't Carrie screw this up because it's my favorite he says something to the effect of it kind of hit everybody at the table because not everybody at the table realized right how important this was to him they just thought yeah. oh he's, he's bill goldman it's no big deal but as as it, you know it was progressing he was like no this is like my favorite thing yes so I find that really like, cool. This, this is one of my darlings. Yeah, I find um, that really cool to And and we should mention you and I did have we had yeah. the opportunity. It was we had a very fun night. Um we drove to uh we drove to Kansas City for there was um there was an author an author interview and signing of uh, at Rainy Day Books in Kansas City. It's a wonderful bookstore. Um I've been there a few times. Um, but they had this event, and it, when when the book came when out. when the book came out, we had essentially an evening with Carrie Elways of um, in this lovely church. Yeah, it, it was, was beautiful, a gorgeous place. Um, and and so we got to we got to sit and hear hear him interviewed about the book, and he told plenty of stories that are in the book, and some that aren't, and but some, most of them aren't. <laughs> some, yeah, some some that weren't, but most that were. Um, he opened up to questions and everything, and we then, got to meet him. That yes, was really cool. We, <laughs> our books are signed. Yes, our books are signed. Um, and so yes, yeah, so we we do have. We're now one step away from Andy Patinkin, <laughs> <laughs> who I share a birthday with. There you go. So. Um, uh, but that, that's the thing to mention. This does star Carrie Always, Robin Wright, right. Matt, Mandy Patinkin, uh, Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant Billy I mean, Crystal, Carol Kane. There are so many people it's, in this movie that oh, it's yeah. crazy. And so, well, I mean, someone like Robin Wright, who... She was a relative she unknown. She was a relative unknown. She was on a soap opera. They yeah, talked about uh, that in his in Santa book. Barbara. She was on Santa Barbara. They let her out <laughs> right. of her contract for a year. She had to do an extra year on the show because she took the right. time off. And now look at her on House of Cards, man. Like... That's crazy to look at that oh, yeah. that journey. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's it's such an incredible cast and 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 I've and I said it multiple times when we were watching the movie uh watching the movie just now Christopher Guest is so good which Christopher Guest is is a man who's behind you know behind mockumentaries like you know Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman and he 
the man is a genius of of, of satire and and comedy, and he's incredible playing Count Rugen. Um, yeah. And then and we mentioned Wally Shawn. And yeah, Wally Shawn's amazing. Wally I love Shawn. Wally Shawn. And and of course you ha- and having Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck. Who I I love Chris Sarandon. Um, yeah. He's he's been in a lot of a lot of stuff I I enjoy. And of course, the incomparable Peter Falk. Oh, absolutely. As, and, as yes. the grandfather who's reading a story to his grandson, yes. played by Fred Savage. You know what? Actually, I don't think I watched this until I saw Boyman's World. Really? Because to me, he was just Corey's brother. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> he was just Corey's, Corey's big brother. I'd never oh, seen man. an episode of Wonder Years my entire life. Fred Savage was really big at that point because Wonder Years was on. You've and... never seen Wonder Years? I've seen clips, but nah, never seen it's it. Like, never wanted man. to, really. I, but yeah. yeah, that's so that's where I like back to where I come from with it. Yeah, like I he was Corey's brother to me when I watched it. But but right, that's funny. Bread did sandwich. Ne- did you never see uh, what was it? Little monsters. Nope. With him and oh my gosh, nope. <laughs> I was a sheltered child. <laughs> wow. And I like I forget sometimes. I'm only a few years older than you, but like, but it's I, it's a weird divide. It's yeah. it's a weird divide. Like, but most of my childhood, I've I've I spent watching watching movies and TV. Well, shows. you you had a lot of older cousins and and stuff like yes. that. Yes, I was the one of the oldest cousins. Yes, so it, it's it's a weird generation thing. Like you're at the tail end, right. of your cousins, and I'm my cousin. I'm of there's two cousins I have older than me and they're on either side. Right. So I'm, I'm one of the oldest and we're only a few years apart. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. For, for me, I, you know, I was, I was born in the mid eighties and I spent a lot of my time with people who were teenagers in the eighties. Exactly. So I, I have a weird like eighties fixation of like, I have memories of a lot of things in the eighties simply because I was around eighties teenagers. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and, and this movie is part of that. Um, but, um, and oh, and we 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 neglected to mention like all the, like the things that Rob Reiner has done. Oh yeah, he was director of Rob Reiner, who has done everything. If you don't yeah. know what he's done, look at IMDb because he's done everything. He's done so um, much. When Harry Met Sally, Harry, and which is one of like the premier yes, rom coms. Like it's amazing. One of one of my favorite films of all time. He's the man behind This Is Spinal Tap. Yep. <laughs> which is what he was really <laughs> which, known for. Which then. is what he at that time, which is what he was known for. Because I remember Carrie Elway's. Um, at that interview, saying like he was kind of freaking out, and he's like, yeah. "Not it was like, you know, he was, you know, he was meathead from all in the family, and he was this, and he was that, but more importantly, here was Marty DeBerge from <laughs> from this, this is Spinal Tap. Tap. Yeah, I mean that honestly, we'll probably reference it more, but that was one of like the coolest things I think we've done as just the two of us friends. Yes, because like we drove to where the thing was, which is which was a three hour drive, like one yeah, way. About, yeah, three three and hours one way. And we drove up there and drove back in the same night because mm-hmm. you had to work the next day. Mm-hmm. But it was I so did. much fun. We had such a good time. We had and a great time. I'll never, I'll probably never meet anybody like that again. But yeah, on, um, on to the movie. I mean, basically it's, the, the, we told you the synopsis sort of at the beginning, but the cool thing about it is it's, it's a love story, a, a fairy tale, a broken down fairy tale. A broken down fairy tale, But yeah. told in the context of a grandfather reading to his grandson Yes, it's, it's an excellent framing device. Like, it's such... It, of, well, and you, you know have, me, I love me a good framing device. Well, and they have those beautiful, like, moments of interruption. Like, yes. Because you start the movie, and you're going to laugh you're gonna laugh or hit me for the thing I'm going to say. The first few minutes of the movie after, like, he starts reading. Yes. Because that's when the movie starts for me. Like, right. Uh, yeah, yes, same, we have the beautiful way. intro. Like, we, we start with Peter Falk walking in the room. But then you have, like, the first, what, ten? 10 minutes or so right. of Peter Falk reading over them falling in love. love. I'm like, it's the first 10 minutes of up without the sad, without the completely <laughs> sad ending. 
I mean, it's the, like it's the same like buildup of what's going to motivate everything yes. going on. Because because the thing about the movie, I'm going to use Up because it's a good example. But those ten minutes at the beginning where you fall in love with this couple and then you watch mm-hmm. tragedy happen to them motivates yeah the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing for this. Like we don't get the typical rom com scene of them like or t- typical rom com movie. I mean, there could be a whole movie made about those first five minutes, ten minutes of the film. Pretty much. On Princess, Princess Bride. Yeah. Because you don't get it. So you could get the actual romance and the actual build up, but you don't need it. Like, with the beautiful score and Peter Falk's voice telling you. Telling you. It just that, yes. all perfectly falls into place. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and not only just that, you know, Buttercup is falling for Wesley, but that Wesley has already been in love with her. All along, yeah. All along, and that, you know, her discovering that when he says, as you wish, what he really meant was, I love you, you know, that, that that's something big, and that, that this is different. And then you kind of get the, the, the scratch of, wait, is this a kissing book? book? <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to read a kissing book. Like, like those beautiful, like, this? yeah. And there's a, but there's two or three times that that happens mm-hmm. in the movie where it just, it gives you this moment of pulling back and going, right, this is a story. Like, yes. we're not taking ourselves too seriously it's, here. Yeah. And then back in. Yeah, it's it's something that you... And honestly, I get so caught up in in what's happening within the story that sometimes, like, I forget, oh, right, we, we still have this whole other frame of a story happening where, you know, like, sometimes, like, I just blatantly forget, like, oh, right, Peter Falk and Fred Savage, like, we're back to them now. <laughs> Um, you know, like the, their interruptions of when, uh, we have the moment of, um, you know, the King died that very night and, and, you know, Buttercup and, and Humperdinck married and the like, wait, well, that's not fair. Well, who says life is fair? But you're telling the story wrong. wrong. That's not how it goes. Yeah. I actually have a note next to that. And I was like, basically that's fandom. Like, yeah, exactly. It's in a weird way. I mean, cause how many times have we started watching a show and been like, I'm not going to like this. And then by halfway through, we're like, no, I have to know what's going to happen. Oh, exactly. And like, <laughs> I, I, like it's, it's very much as much as it would never say it is. It, I mean, he's such a fanboy by the end of it. Like come back and, and read it tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, he really is. And, and granted part of that is because he loves his grandfather. His grandfather loves him or it wouldn't be as compelling but, yes. for us. But, but yeah, like I had that at the end. I was going to make, I was going to talk about that. Like how basically this is a fandom like we're essentially watching a grandfather turn his grandson mm-hmm. into, into a, a fanboy. Fan. <laughs> yeah, and like, I love that. I hadn't considered it that way, but yeah, it's, it's it hit me when he was when he was whole like bunching up the covers. He's like, like I'm telling you this because you seemed a little nervous. Yeah. Like or, I wasn't nervous. Or when he's like, "You're telling the story wrong." Like how many times do we as fans go, "No, no, no, no. you're telling the story wrong, yeah. author. You don't know what you're talking about." Exactly. Well, I guess the like after that we get Buttercup's engagement. Wesley's dead. Yes, and she says she'll never love again. Yes, we get the engagement. Which in the in the actual novel that there was a really interesting bit on that. Um, where there was a, like w- the way that William Golden phrased it, that one because we we see in the movie you know that Buttercup gets the word that Wesley's ship was was taken over by pirates. And it was taken over by the Dread Pirate Roberts, who never left captives alive. Yep. And and so there we have Butter Buttercup, who is you know left with the notion that Wesley is dead. Mm-hmm. And we have that moment of her alone in her room, 
saying, you know, I will never love again. Mm -hmm. And the way that it's put in the book, I thought was, was really, really interesting, which is, is that she goes into her room and just stays there for several days. And that, you know, her parents are bringing her food and she only eats like very little, just enough to, to stay alive. But she stays in her room for several days. And, and that, uh, you know, when she came out at last, her eyes were dry. And, um, and she's, but in point of fact, she had never looked so well. She had entered her room an impossibly lovely girl, but the woman who emerged was a trifle thinner, a great deal wiser, and an ocean sadder. This one understood the nature of pain, and beneath the glory of her features, there was character and a sure knowledge of suffering. She was 18. She was the most beautiful woman in 100 years, but she didn't seem to care. And the way that that, like, just that little bit there, it's, we get that in the movie just from just like that, that brief little bit of her just sitting there and very solemnly saying like I will never love again yeah but I just found like the, 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 the books descri- yeah books can show can can have that descriptive yes. quality that a movie no matter how much you try right. can't but, like, but it's still to me like it across. still gets the point across mm-hmm. like in in a way that I I found very very pleasing um, but yeah, from there we have the engagement announcement. The engagement and then the kidnapping. Yes. Um, although I did make a note when, uh, it's like Wesley, she told him she, she wouldn't love, but he assured her she would grow to love, love him. him. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not, not gonna, creepy. Right. That's not well, creepy at all. You'll grow to love, love me. me. Marry me anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. That's not the healthy basis to which to start a relationship. No. And we've all, we all Tis know not. because King Richard and Gallivant taught us <laughs> kidnapping is not the basis of any good relationship. And while he did not kidnap her. Her, oh my god. It still feels very I had forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> Promise me, never start a relationship with a kidnapping. kidnapping. Galavant's another fantastic show that if you like The Princess Bride, go watch it. It's on Netflix. All episodes. Go. Seasons, what are you still doing here? There are go. only two seasons, which is a crime, but those two seasons are magnificent. There's only two seasons and it's only like twelve episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit more than that. But yeah, it's so great. But anyway, that like that's just like I think of that a lot when I'm watching this particular yes. movie because of the way it it breaks apart those, uh, those super not those stereotypes. Yes, it breaks those apart as it goes. And like there was a couple of times I thought with with Buttercup, I was like, you know what, she needs a little more Madalena, little bit. And and as you and I discussed, like in some of the differences, and I haven't fully read the book since college. Mm-hmm. Like I I read it when I was a kid. Um, and didn't quite get it, but I, I read it again a couple of times during college. And the thing that like I picked up in the book, Buttercup is dumb. She dumb dumb. She dumb. Um, and and the movie goes away toward toward making her less dumb, um, which I appreciate. Yeah, like when she jumps out of the boat, I, I wrote down she's trying to fight that damsel in distress dress. trope so yes, hard. Yes, that's the thing. It's like she is very much a damsel in distress, and I think the reason like that comes across she tends to be just very passive mm-hmm. like she does have a few moments of action like trying to to jump out of the boat yeah. and and telling humperdink that you know that like like i would rather kill myself than marry you well and that's um, the that's the thing about her that makes like i've because i'm trying to think i've been trying to think about it since we were talking about that right after the movie yes um every everybody in this movie has their own motivation in a, in a very like right. perfect way I mean, you obviously have Inigo, who is completely motivated by revenge. You know, Fezzik, I think, is motivated by loyalty in some weird way. Like, he, I agree. he's a good guy, like, at his heart. Um, but both, uh, 
where Wesley's action, this sounds sound weird, Wesley's action is motivated by love. Her passivity is motivated by yes. love. Because she didn't remain passive when she was supposed to, to wait for him to come home, mm-hmm. she now has to remain passive to prove her love. Like, it's a yes. weird faith test. And that's the only way that I... No, I, yeah. That's the best way I, I can no, I can explain that totally, it. That totally makes sense. Because it's... The only time she makes an action... It's to send him away from her to save him because she yes. can't deal with him dying again. Yes. So it, it almost in some weird way in that she fails there again. Agreed. So then she yeah. has to come back and go, no, my Wesley will come for me. Yes. My Wesley will, will come, come for, me. for me. Because yeah. she has to prove that faith in Wesley because she hasn't waited for him. Right. She hasn't allowed him to save her in yeah. some weird way, which is why when she does get married, she's like, and I'm going to off myself. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, because Wesley didn't come for me. My, my faith has been completely misplaced. Yes. Sorry, that's just my no, random... this is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we have her kidnapped by, by the shadiest trio of people. The the Sicilian, the Spaniard, the Spaniard and the Giant. Yep. The, you know, we have Wallace Shawn as Vizzini. We have Mandy Patinkin as Inigo Montoya and, and Andre the Giant as the, the gentle giant Fezzik. Oh my gosh. Oh, the, there's so many good stories about all those people. There really, really are. Um, and the we have you know we have them kidnapping Buttercup. We have the, the cliffs of insanity. The cliffs of insanity, which the first time I ever saw a picture of the cliffs of Moer, like I literally went, "Are those the cliffs of insanity?" <laughs> and they are. Um, the so we have the, the cliffs of insanity, and this entire time we have you know a. A boat right on their heels. Like, I wonder yep. if he's using the same wind we're using. <laughs> um, so we have we have the boat in hot pursuit. We have the man in black rushing up the rushing up the rope. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I, I do not think, not think it means what you think it means. means. Uh, and then we get the in the words of the book, greatest sword, sword fight, fight ever. ever of all time. Yeah. And now, see, this is where I'm going to nerd out for just like two seconds because mm-hmm. I have watched. Lay it on me. And you're the same lay way. It on me. We have both watched a lot of sword fighting things. Yes, we have. So the, the just because I want everyone to know, because I don't know who knows and who doesn't know who's seen this movie, <laughs> the people who choreographed this are some literally were some of the best in the world at yes. this kind of stuff. It was uh, Bob. Oh man, not Bob. Yeah, Bob yeah, Anderson. Bob, right? Bob Anderson. Yeah. Bob Anderson and uh, Peter. Can't remember his last name. I have to look it up. That I do not remember. But they both worked with Errol Flynn, Flynn. and Douglas Fairbanks back in the day. If you back don't know who day. Errol Flynn is, you're too young. No, I'm just kidding. Go out and find the Adventures of Robin Hood. Adventures of Robin Hood, Captain Blood. Which, he, he which was Carrie always would later parody. True, uh, but he <laughs> is the original swashbuckler in a he lot is, of ways. Yes, he and Douglas Fairbanks and Bob Anderson also went on. For those of you who are as nerdy as I am. To uh, choreograph and teach the Lord of the Rings cast how to fight with he swords. He did, and if um, I'm not mistaken, did he not choreograph some stuff in the uh, like some of the lightsaber fights in Star Wars? He did. Oh, both of them did. They both. Yes. He actually okay. is Vader. Bob Anderson right. was Vader. Yes, I knew it was something in, like that. Yes, uh, I believe it's Empire. Yes, he was Vader right. yeah. in the in the scene. Uh, in the in the sequence between Will between, between Will. Will no I don't know who Will is <laughs> between Mark Hamill Luke I don't know why I said Will that's weird. hi I'm Will Skywalker nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> that's the other alternate one but anyway is he um, the one who actually got to Tashi Station <laughs> he picked up his power converters and went home <laughs> um, but yeah the he he did Star they both did Star Wars they both did Douglas Fairbanks Errol Flynn yeah um, they've been in the business then, for a long time. Uh, 
Peter, I think his name is Peter, died in 2002. Okay. But Bob, Bob didn't die till a lot after that. Right. And he, but he was older. He didn't, like, do all the same steps in, in Lord of the Rings. Like, he couldn't do... Yeah. Physically, he was, like, a lot... I mean, he was much, much older. But, yeah, he, he was on hand to help... He, they call him the sword master. master. He's the one who taught Viggo Mortensen how to fight. He yes. taught the hobbits how to fight. He choreographed everything they did. And, like, like, if you don't read this book for anything other than reading him talk about the sword fighting... Carrie Elways is like worshipful yes. of the way they taught him how to sword fight and like talking about how difficult sword fighting is mm-hmm. and and how they were supposed to learn to do it with their left hands and they were both the actual you know choreographers choreographers were like don't know if you'll be able to learn how to do it with your left hand in the amount of time we have right. we may have to get doubles in for that and Mandy Patinkin went we'll do it <laughs> because that's Mandy, Mandy Patinkin Mandy Patinkin is a very intense man this does not surprise me yeah, but I just love, like, because I remember being, see, I have a very different history of Lord of the Rings, which I'm sure someday we'll get into even more, but I owned all of the extended editions, mm-hmm. like, you know that about me. I. Uh, and I, but I would watch those sword fighting sequences, and I remember them talking about mm-hmm. Bob Anderson, so anytime I hear somebody mention it, I'm like, Bob Anderson, what, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I just perk up. I'm like, huh? I know who yeah. that is. I get to nerd out for two seconds. <laughs> but yeah, the the actual like sword fighting that's done in this it's almost all and, them which is right. incredible right and the and in in the book of the princess bride it's pretty much described as the greatest sword fight in history <laughs> that's what that's something Carrie yes. points out in his book cuz he's like that kind of gave them free range to do whatever they, they wanted, wanted to yeah the only thing they had to do was make sure we switched hands at some point like right. that was it so yeah that to me that was just like it's, one of those interesting like cool it's one of the reasons to get that book is just to see how number one, how grateful Carrie is for everything he he got from the movie. Yes, but also to to like read how hard it was because like, man, even because they didn't film that until the very end. Like, that was one of the last things was, they yeah. did, so that they had more time to train. So he and Mandy didn't get any downtime. Yeah, like everyone else would have their like while they were setting up a shot. No, no, no. You have a sword in your hand and yeah. you were practicing and you were learning the proper technique, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. Anyway, sorry, that's my no. like. Oh, <laughs> again, this is why we're friends. Yeah. Because you and I talk about all this kind of stuff. Um, something that I know we, we talked about before, and it is in Carrie Elway's book, and I promise we're going to talk about other things than just this book. But, but there's ha- a lot of good information. There, in there is a lot of good information of how um, he's not in much of the movie, but Wallace Shawn as Vizzini is such an incredible character. And in the mm-hmm. book, you find out, and this is something that Carrie did talk about at the... Yeah. Um, at the interview, it was that, you know, they had picked, like, you know, there was word or like they had they actually, offered it. They had offered the part of Izzini to Danny DeVito. And so when Wallace Shawn came in, he was just a nervous wreck the entire time thinking he was about to be fired. Because, he said the ghost of Danny was on yeah, set with so him. The, the ghost of Danny DeVito was on set with him the entire time. But I cannot imagine anybody else in this part. No. As well as Sean, is he's so pitch perfect. He is, yeah. This this entire movie, and for the fact that, that you know, a lot of the cast was, you know, especially, like, you know, Carrie, you know, he had done a few movies. Carrie and Robin were the newbies. Carrie and Robin were the newbies. But even, the, like, Mandy has always been more of like a veteran of the stage. He he's had some films. Yeah, but he'd already done Sundays in the Park with George. George. He'd already done like a lot of that. Right. Like, 
Um, like big stuff. I think I believe the way the phrase that Carrie used is he has splinters in his feet from the boards he's trod. Yes, <laughs> like from the, from the Broadway boards he's trod. Because um, and, you know, and so they had experience, but and I'm you know, but I don't think Andre had done. No, anything. Andre had not, had done much, he, Andre, but he had more experience than Carrie, Carrie, which was interesting. Right. Um. You know, Andre really hadn't done anything. But Andre but, didn't speak English. Didn't speak English. It's not his first language. Yeah. So like that's another interesting thing. How he learned his lines. Yes. Was Reiner recorded no, them did, for him? Recorded everything. Yep. Um. And they. But like I said, but I can't, you know, there there were some, for lack of a better it's, looking back on it, it would seem like there were some risks this, with the cast of this movie, mm-hmm. but they're so, so perfect. And, they are. And, yeah. and Wallace Shawn is definitely, like, like, he's among the most perfect for the part. Yeah, because he, he says in, in that book, because there's quotes from different actors in yes. there, and he says a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't walk up to him and say inconceivable. <laughs> And I'm like, that's just brilliant because that's that's what you if you're gonna make a mark, that's a right. mark to make. Like that's what's and one it, of the ones yeah, to make. Yeah, you know, thirty years on, yeah. that it's a movie that people still remember. But yeah, so we have we have the epic sword fight with with Inigo and Wesley, and mm-hmm. then from there we have onto the the giant the, fight, onto the brawl with with Fezzik. Which I said I said something or I wrote something down. When I was thinking about that mm-hmm. because. You know, when he gets to the top of the mountain, the man in black gets a rest mm-hmm. because Inigo lets him do it. So Honor kind yeah. of, his own Honor kind yes. of does him in. And then same thing with Fezzik. His own sportsmanship, sportsmanship. does him in. Yes. Like I... Honor and sportsmanship are the only way Wesley can actually win yes. in this particular trials that he's facing. I, yeah, I have, I had a note, I had a note on here that, um, I had a note in here that I loved, yeah, the the honor and the the fairness of of Inigo and Fezzik. Yeah. I that. think that's really important because that way we can like them later. Yes. The fact that they weren't and, just merchants for hire means we can like them later and they have a more Yes. And and in thinking of it in terms of like, you know, they each have their own form of honor and so they're going they're going to be fair. They're going to do the right thing. And so you know, Wesley recognizes in them you know, essentially, like something worth keeping. Yeah, he wants to make sure they're both alive. Like, yes, like that. Like I'm not going to kill you. I would, you know, sooner. I would sooner destroy a stained, stained glass, glass window room. than an artist like yourself. Yeah. But since I can't have you following me, and he just knocks him out instead of killing him. And then Fezzik, he immediately rolls him over, well, checks his heart. Sleep yes. well, dream of large women. Like he, he obviously and, has yes. affection for these two already, just right. because. And he, it's it's sort of a game recognized game. Yeah, that's what of, I'm yeah. it's a game recognized game of of he sees. You know something in them that they that they have strived for, like that they've that they've become the best at what they do, just as he works to become the best at what he does. Yeah. And but because they have that honor, they live. Whereas Vizzini cheats his little ass off and dies <laughs> and dies. Well, Vizzini so, is willing to kill someone for money. Vinny, yes. Whereas both Fezzik like, and 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 Inigo were like, wait a second, killing people. We that wasn't. Like, you didn't say that. Well, I said we were starting a war. Yeah, but you didn't say we were killing people. Yeah, like, like, like we're we're less okay with that. I mean, we're being paid to do it, and we don't have a choice. Right. But, but yeah, that like it allows, it gives them some redemption as characters. Yes, it, it does. Lets you root for them some more. Yes. Um. And but from there, yeah. So we have the fight with with Fezzik, and then on to, then on to the, the bat- battle of wits. the battle of wits, which is probably. One of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. <laughs> it it is so good. And it is. It's true. It's because it's not often. 
that you have a scene of, of these two characters, like of two characters, like trying to prove their worth through how smart they are. True. It, like outside of an episode of Sherlock. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, like outside of an episode of Sherlock, you don't have, yeah. you know, two like brilliant people. Well, and, and the, I was going to say the thing I, I love about it. You're, you're absolutely right. You don't have two brilliant people trying to prove, trying to prove which one's better. But at the end of the day, Wesley cheated. Well, yes. At the end of the day, Wesley cheated as much yeah. as anything else. Bazzini was 100% right in his yeah. logic. He, should, he shouldn't choose the wine in front of himself or the wine in front of him. Right. Like, he's completely right. And he's trying to read him as he's going to take a drink. And he never can read him. Yeah. So, he, so like, he just assumes he's right. But but because that's not how Wesley played. Wesley doesn't play fair. Mm-hmm. Wesley, he played fair with the people who played fair. Right. But the person who is essentially the mastermind, no, he's not going to play fair because... He doesn't have to anymore. You're the one who yeah. accepted the Battle of Wits. Well, the, I was just thinking about this. There's something, there's almost a humility to to Inigo and Fezzik. Yeah. You know, a Fezzik of saying, you know, it's not my fault I'm the biggest and the strongest. And, yeah, and, and, and with, with Inigo, it's... He sees the vengeance and the, the studying. The fact that they're discussing their studying they, techniques is their... Oh, yeah. Like, there's like, I've studied this technique. Well, I've studied this one, so I can counteract this one. Yeah. It's like it's a like, chess I find game it, Yeah, I swords. find that Tybalt cancels out... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whereas Bassini's just like, I'm smarter than you. Like, that's, yes. that was the immediate response is, I'm smarter than, than you. you. Yeah. And it, it's, it's as we've learned through so many Greek myths, hubris is often on the death certificate of many a fictional character. Hubris kills. Yes. Hubris definitely kills. And from there we have... Life is pain. We get to oh. him taking... Him taking her, and uh, I think I, I I wrote testing her because yes. he he loves her. That's not going to change no matter what he, he finds yes. out. I I believe like he lo- like he does love her, but at the same time he's hurt. He's hurt, and so yes, there there has to be this testing. But he's trying to figure out of, why she chose to marry yes. another man when he said he'd come and back for her. To her, not to her credit, as she says later, you were dead. Right. Like, I I didn't know death couldn't stop true you love. love? But yeah, oh, the, one of the greatest lines ever. Mm-hmm. Like, death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. And Ugh. then she pushed him down the hill. Mm-hmm. Well, pushed him down the hill first. Yeah, but yeah. I, I meant, but like, yeah, the, yeah. But yeah, the life is pain. Like, that whole that whole sequence is just brilliantly done. Yes. Like, and Robin and Carrie just, they sell it. <laughs> Even with his broken toe, <laughs> Carrie. His broken toe. It. Seriously, people, you should re- you should find this book as you wish by Carrie L. A. is available oh. in hardback, paperback, and on Audible. Find it's fantastic. It. But anyway, so yeah, then uh, but then uh, we get the point they get through the fire, fire swamp. swamp. I didn't even take any notes on the fire swamp because um, I love it so much, I, but I, I don't did, need to. I did a couple. Um, oh, right, a, a moment, a moment that I, like I wanted to, I wanted to point out. Um, this movie is. I like, and I hadn't really noticed until, and like, until we were watching it, that, that this movie, it's real, it's really kind of fast paced, mm-hmm. in that like all of the scenes move swiftly, and and especially you know it's like Carrie talks very quickly, and and as does Vizzini, you mm-hmm. know like there you have these fast talking characters like Count Rugen kind of slows things down a little bit. Rugen and Hepperdick both, both are are much. They're a little bit more measured. It's like but... we are weighty characters, and we know it. it, it yes. They're very full of themselves. Yeah. Yes. Um. But it hit me today, and it's something like I've seen it six hundred million times. But the moment where um, Buttercup is describing to the Man in Black, 
the you know her true love who he killed you know mm-hmm. who she believes the dread pirate arts killed and and you know well who was he you know another prince like this one ugly rich scabby and she says no a farm boy poor poor and perfect with eyes like the sea after a storm and i'd never paid attention to this little pause that she has and this moment of reverie mm-hmm. of and i was like of just that little beat of her and again, like where we've seen everything is kind of happening around her and happening to her, but in this, but she gets to take a moment and remember this love of hers before before she flies off the handle and attacks the man who, you know, she believes took him away. Yeah, and it's I just I hadn't really paid attention to that, and like it just kind of hit me of like oh wow, tonight. And of course, then they run into the fire swamp. The fire swamp. And the fire swamp. The, the only reason I ran into the fire swamp because we kind of missed it is that the awesome tracker. Prince, the the hunter extraordinaire, hunter Prince, extraordinaire, yeah. Prince Humperdinck has has been following them the whole time and has kind of figured out that you know stuff is yes th- that there's something weird going on right. Which granted, um, I mean, you find out fairly quickly later that he's planned plenty, all this, yes. so he's like, oh, this is not good. Like unbeknownst to us, like that it, somebody is coming to save the day, like ruining all my careful plans. Yeah, and so he's like, we'll meet them outside the fire swamp because he knows exactly where they're going and he can predict it. Yeah. And so, like, that that part is so great. Like, and then with the fire swamp, like... And the fire swamp with its three dangers. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, the, the, the thing about... The, I'm, I'm going to talk about this at the end probably a little okay. bit. But there's a thing about threes and yes. three trials yes. in this. There, yes. And, like, I have it I have it written out mm-hmm. pretty, like, a lot at the end. Tell me more, tell me more. Well, it, it, I was going to wait till the end because it has to do with the end, too. Okay. Well, we, That's we'll, why I was, we'll like, save trying it. to... We'll save it. But um, but yeah, like you have the three trials of the fire swamp, and they figure them all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they we they get through, the... and we get really some charming moments with them. We get we get their right. Get, this is how weird the fire swamp in a way is that what lets us take a breath and fall in love with this couple. Yes, because yes, you don't exactly. really. I mean, at the very beginning, you see them fall in love, and oh, that's so sweet. But this is the moment where you can take a beat and go, oh, wow, they have great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. They're cute together. I'm not saying I want to build a summer they're, home here. But it's trees are actually quite lovely. Like, Wesley is the optimist. And you start learning yes. that about Wesley. And then we get the backstory of what happened yes. to Wesley. And and she talks to Wesley a little bit about herself. Not a lot, but a little. Mm-hmm. So by the time they come out of the fire swamp, they've kind of finally, they're finally they've back. They've reconciled. To, they've reconciled. Yes. You think they're back to being on the same page. Until Humperdinck shows up. Yes. Because Humperdinck is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, he, and then we have the the emergence from the fire swamp. They have survived these trials and they've survived the, the RUSs, the lightning sand, and the flame spurt um, and arrived relatively unscathed um, through the... <laughs> Sorry. Were, were you counting the trials? No, I was not quite. Okay. <laughs> I'm making um, notes. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Um, but yeah, so, so they get through the fire swamp and then we have, you know, they find like a moment of peace and they are, they're ambushed by Humperdinck and his men. And we, we see... It's one of my favorite moments of just like bravado and arrogance. One of my favorite lines in this movie of Humperdinck yelling for them to surrender and Wesley's response of, you wish to surrender to me? Very well, I accept. Yeah. It's so good. Like, um, ugh, like that is one of those like quintessential great, 
Like it tells you everything a, about the character it without really does. without like going and he's a little sassy when he wants to be. Right. Like it tells he, you so much about the character. It really I love does. It. Um but the we have and here we have Buttercup turning the tables and her offering to save Wesley. Trying to sacrifice herself for him. Yes. Yeah. And and from there, you know, she Humperdinck carries her off. We have Wesley's recognition of the six fingered man whom Inigo is looking for. The delightful Count Rugen. <laughs> Creepy ass mofo. Pit of despair. Yes. Taken to the pits of despair. Um, and then we get the first dream the dream that, that Buttercup yes. has. Which <laughs> The, the kid interrupting. I have it written down. Because the kid interrupts it and, and says, because uh, Grandpa's like, you know, that king died that night and Buttercup nope. and Humperdinck were married. married. He's like, whoa, 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 Grandpa, you're reading that wrong. Yes. I was like, even though the kid hates fairy tale, or the kid hates it, he knows his fairy tale. This is not the, how this is. Yeah, my, my note on that is grandson calls bullshit. <laughs> um... And yes, and we get into, it's find out that it, it's Buttercup's dream mm-hmm. where, you know, that, that she... Uh, that Humperdinck is presenting her now as his queen instead of his his princess and fiance. Yeah. And we have, you know, this old woman in the crowd shouting her down for making the wrong choice. You, you had know, love her, and you let it go. go. And, you know, and calling her the queen of refuse, the queen of slime, the queen of filth, the queen, queen of, of putrescence. Um... And, you know, it's it, her Her subconscious is telling her she made the wrong choice, even if she made it for the right reasons. Because she didn't have faith in her love. love. I'm yes. sorry, I'm loving this. I love when I find stuff like this. It makes me super happy. <laughs> the, I was an English major in college, so I'm allowed yes. to, to be happy this, about this. And for, for a little bit of backstory, that's kind of how Michelle and I, we we bonded. We were both English majors. Yep. And um, we, we spent many many a late night <laughs> discussing you know yeah. why the ribbons were pink and so because forth. they're pink because they're pink that has nothing to do with fashion and purity no um yeah d- discussing the deeper meanings and arterial intent and and all sorts of things um so yeah this this is what we do we look for the deeper meaning mm-hmm. um and yeah, so she wakes up from her dream. She's it's still ten days. It's still She's ten days good. until the wedding. <laughs> He's like, "See, I told you she'd never marry that rotten Humperdinck." Yes, yes, you're very smart. Shut up. Yep, love that part. Um, we have um, and then this was something that struck me. I always forget that it's such a long time until we see Fezzik and Inigo again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, feel like it, it, but it is. It doesn't feel like it, but it really, really is a long time. Yeah. I put we have we get Puppet Master. We find out how much of a puppet master Humperdinck is. Yes. Because it doesn't come across until that, like, the moment of take him to the pit of despair. Honestly, you don't even have to know he's a puppet master there when he took Wesley there. You don't know that. It's not really until he reveals that he's trying to start a war with Gilder Mm -hmm. that that, that you go, holy cow, dude has engineered every single moment Mm -hmm. with the exception of Wesley. Like, he couldn't have accounted for Wesley. He couldn't have accounted for Wesley. But he's engineered every single thing. He has his... Country's 500th anniversary to plan, his, his wedding wife, to arrange, arrange his, his wife to murder, murder, and Gilder to frame for it. He's yeah. swamped. Yeah. And then he tells him to clean out the Thieves' Forest. Yes. And I went, hold on. Why? Thief, what? Thieves' Forest? Should you not have cleaned that out a long time ago if you're a good king? Just wondering. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. If, I mean, if the, the sheriff really cared about Robin Hood, he'd, he'd take care of the forest right. a lot quicker. That's all in, I'm saying. In the book, that's kind of explained as... 
it's yeah it's just something like i think it's more of like a show and in fact like that scene in the book is told from the point of view of yellen the gatekeeper oh yeah and and he's he's kind of grousing about being up so early <laughs> um and like having to get up at dawn to to clean out the, the to clean out the thieves forest and and real and like kind of noticing that that there really aren't any Gildarians here, but okay, it's what the prince wanted, and it's it's sort of a, um, it's sort of a sham, just sort of a yeah. of a like, well, we're rounding up all of the potential Gildarians. We're gonna of, keep her safe because the prince wants that done. Yes, yeah. of uh, yeah, like Humperdinck has them convinced that they're that there are Gildarians that that need to be rounded up, and so since. It's like we might as well just grab everybody while we're at it. Is yeah. is kind of the way that that, that shakes out. Um, but yeah, we we're reunited <laughs> with Fezic on the Brute Squad, and then a very very inebriated Aniga Montoya, um, and Fezic fills him in on you know on like on, who, on who Wesley is, and that Buttercup is marrying Humperdinck. And and who like? But the how six does Fezzik know who Wesley I d- is? I don't know. It's... Like that's my biggest question. How did they know that Buttercup was Wesley's true love? Like for all they know, this was a dude who wanted more money, and so was kidnapping her from I know. him. I'm just it's, saying. It's I don't know. I guess the I guess guards gossip. That's that's like the brute squad gossip <laughs> around the water cooler. <laughs> Although I will say the other thing that I thought about is that morning, the morning of the wedding when she comes in and at or. Not only the wedding, it's when they're cleaning out the thieves' forest. She asks, has there been any word? Oh, too soon, my angel. Yeah, but he's like, you know, all of of our ship, my ships are waiting. That's what it is. It's the day of the wedding. It's the day of the wedding. And he's like, like, all of my ships are waiting. And I'm like, ooh, slip of the tongue. Humperdinck's first real mistake. The only thing he could account for. And he messed up. Yeah. His first real mistake was that slip of the tongue. Yeah, my entire armada awaits. Hubris. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, anyway, that's just As my... you said, on the death certificate of many a fictional character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we go from there. They they find they find Wesley in the pit of despair. And Mostly from there, dead. take him to my favorite character in this movie, to, oh, Miracle, yeah. to Miracle Max. My note for this literally is just all caps, yay, Miracle Max. <laughs> yeah, and, and then Valerie and, comes out, too. And, and... Yeah, Miracle Max and Valerie, and it's such a brief scene but it's so memorable. I wrote down uh, Max and Valerie are going to be me and my husband someday. <laughs> <laughs> I can literally see me chasing Josh going, Humperdinck! Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck! Humperdinck! As someone who spends a lot of quality time with you and your husband, I can see it. We love each other, but tormenting people, tormenting each other is sometimes part of that love. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is a, <laughs> a fairly typical thing for couples who've been together a while. We'll have been married 10 years this year. Mm-hmm. And so, and we dated to almost three years before mm-hmm. that. So yeah, it's it's just one of those things that I was like, she's chasing around the table and he's like plugging his ears. I think. And I'm like, I think. this, this is us. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Josh would run around the table. No. But other than that, he'd be like, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> That's just what, like, cause like, in the, the, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. That is literally like a quote that I think almost every married couple has right. used at some point. <laughs> Get back, witch. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. <laughs> Like yeah, literally everyone has yeah. used it, and and then of course the the invention of the the mostly dead yeah the, there being a difference between mostly dead and all dead 
all dead there's not much you can do see we can quote this whole scene and that's not what anyone wants to hear (laughs) if you want to hear billy crystal do the scene mostly dead me slightly alive all dead go through the pocket and for the last time i'm going to reference this book i swear they talked about uh, apparently carrie almost had to leave the room right and some of the best ones were too blue oh that does not surprise me at all if if you know anything about billy crystal this is not surprising yeah but he was like Um, rob reiner had to the director had to leave leave. the set and watch it from offset because his laugh was so loud he was ruining the takes and which i love and if i if i'm remembering correctly um on the dvd special features uh the like the as you wish like documentary of Mm -hmm. like talking about the movie I'm fairly certain Mandy Patinkin makes the statement that, um, like, the only injury he sustained on this movie is that he bruised his rib from holding in his laughter during that scene. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was the only injury he got was he bruised his ribs because he could he had to hold trying to hold in his laughter while like Billy Crystal ran him up. Well, and Billy and Carol, the thing I found cool just because I'm a character person. Yes. They got together in LA and made up a whole backstory for Ma- yeah. Max and Valerie. Like something we will never, ever know or hear. And they like, they yeah. made it all up. So they had their entire relationship. It's just, yeah. And you, and both of them are such good comedic actors mm-hmm. and, and Billy has like the sharpest comedic wit. Oh, well, yes. He's Billy Crystal. Yeah. If you don't know who Billy Crystal is, I feel really sorry for you. Cause he's amazing. It's like there, there's more to Billy Crystal than Mike Wazowski. Yes. Yes. Um, Mike Wazowski is amazing. Mike Wazowski is great. But Billy Crystal, man. Like, I've loved Billy Crystal. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember the first thing I saw him in. I've loved him for so long. <laughs> like, him, Rob Williams, and Whoopi Goldberg, man. Oh, yeah. The, the comedy relief thing that they used to do. Uh, yeah, the comic relief. <sighs> the, I love them. The Oh, yeah. The three of them were just unstoppable together. Pretty much. Anyway. And, yeah. But. Like, I, I'm trying to remember, like... The Princess Bride would probably be the first thing I ever saw him in, but but at the same time, I know like City Slickers, City Slickers around a lot when I was a kid. But also there was uh, like of course Harry when Harry Met Sally mm-hmm. of course. was around, um, which we're yeah. going to talk about at some point. Yes, because we, it's will, a fantastic we will be movie. discussing that movie. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just incredible. Mm-hmm. There's he's done so much good work. Saturday Night Live, that's what it was. Oh well, yeah, of course. Yeah, SNL is one of the <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Back to the... Yes. <laughs> so we, we wake up, we, we realize that revenge to Mar- Miracle Max, revenge is more noble than true love. love. But then we wake up Wesley. <laughs> yes. And we get the, the great, like, <laughs> the storming the castle so, sequence. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, she gets married to him, sort of, not really. But Knowledge. her cup sort of, sort of not really gets married to yeah. Prince Humperdinck. Did you say I do? Well, no, we sort of skipped that part. You didn't say it. You didn't do right. it. Wouldn't you agree, Your, your highness. highness? But, I mean, so I mean, we have a lot of really great stuff. This is where my thing comes in, okay? Yes. Lay, Super, lay, lay all your points on me. This this show, movie, whatever you want to call it, has... This work of art. Work of art. <laughs> because I am an English major and I am trained to do this. Do not try this at home. I am trained. No, I'm just kidding. I got a BA and BS. <laughs> but there are, like... This, once again, this was just one of those things I've never thought about it before. I've watched this movie a hundred times. Mm-hmm. There are, every time Humperdinck, not Humperdinck, I'm sorry. Every time Wesley and Buttercup try to get together, there are three trials in their way. Okay. Every single time. Skill, strength, and wit. Every single Ooh! time. <laughs> yeah. Are you impressed yet? Give it so, to me. So obviously the first ones. Tell me more. Tell me more. The first ones are obvious because it's the three trials, skill and ego. Yes. Strength of, of 
Fezzik, and then uh, Smarts or Wit Vizzini. That's that's the easy first one, right? Mm-hmm. Fire Swamp. Yes. Uh, you have three trials. Skill. What I, I wrote the notes so that I would remember. Uh, <laughs> now to read your handwriting. Skill was the lightning, the lightning sand. Mm-hmm. He had to have the skill to be able to dive in and get her. Mm-hmm. Strength was the R-U-S's. He had to have the strength to yes. fight for his love. The wit was being able to know, to hear the flame spurts to get out of the way right. of them. And he just does those almost nonchalantly. Like, yes. There's, there's, he's like, oh, there's a spark. I'm just going to pick her up love, and move her to the other side. Yeah, I do me. love that. Just like put the sword in the ground, like gently move and her then, to the side. And I was like, and I was going to point this out too. I love those bits during the fire swamp because it's almost like a dance. Yeah. It's, it's just gorgeous. I just looked at it as he, it, it's the wit thing coming through for yes. me again. He has this exact, he knows exactly what. Mm-hmm. He's doing, and so he hears that. Oh, I'm smart enough. I'm going to move her away from right. this. Anyway, um, continue. And then finally, Sorry, the castle. It's okay. The castle, uh, you have the gate, which is strength, because mm-hmm. he, he needs Fezzik to get through. Mm-hmm. You have Rugen, the the fight with Count Rugen, which I also, this is another, Inigo and Rugen. It's not necessarily the swordsmanship, although that is super important. Yes. That wins the fight. It is the determination. Yes. Which is, in my opinion, also how uh, Wesley beat Inigo, it was the determination yes. to get to the thing he loved. Yes. Whereas it's his determination to get revenge that allows mm-hmm. Inigo. Are you depressed yet? I <laughs> love you. That allows Inigo There's to beat Rugen. Conversations like this, as I said, these are why we're like stuff like this is why we're best friends. Yeah. The <laughs> lack of honor that he, the honor code that he goes yes. by, is the thing he didn't expect. Right. Which is what almost gets him killed. But then finally, the wit is Wesley and Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. It, that literally all that is is a stinking we play D- Dungeons and Dragons so forgive the thing but it's just an intimidation check it really like, is like that's literally all that happens there is he's going do you want to test me mm-hmm. like I he, he gives him the beautiful speech about to the pain my rogue is going to use and this. he wins his battle of wits mm-hmm. because like and and like so every time it's skill strength and wit that mm-hmm. he has to defeat in order or that he has to show in order to win his love there you go <laughs> I love the way your mind works <laughs> I, I was rather proud of that like because it's just such an interesting like display of feats that he has to do to win her mm-hmm. he has to do it three times yes and three displays he has to display each one three times mm-hmm. essentially and it's just an interesting to me it's an interesting <laughs> device i don't know that they did it intentionally three is also just a really good number in well, in film and literature well and yeah like three three also plays like like three and seven tend to be like yeah. the magic numbers in fairy tales. But if I were writing and a paper, if I were back in college, this, I would get an F because Blake. But no, 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 no. You write this paper for Doctor Head is what oh, you yeah. do. Yes, I do. Yes, like I would do well with this paper. But yeah, like, like for me, like as I started watching it this time and like critically pulling it apart, like you have three acts, yes. and in each act you have three acts of. You have three trials, skill, strength, and, right. and wit. Or three battles, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the last one is I'm is so skill. in love with you right and then, now. <laughs> and then he can finally, and in some ways, Inigo has started his first three trials as yes. well. Because like to be a true hero, to have your heart's desire, you have to ha- defeat those three trials. Mm-hmm. And he has done the first, he's shown strength and skill. Mm-hmm. Now he has to show wit. Good luck with that, Inigo. Because it's proof, like, that's the whole thing. Inigo doesn't have the wit, right. and he knows it, which is why he can go get... that. Why he goes after Why Wesley. he goes and finds Wesley, because he doesn't have the wit yeah. yet. But he's about to become the Dread Pirate Roberts, so he's got to be taught the wit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, just, learn. I yeah. just thought that was an interesting, like, <laughs> way to phrase, frame the movie is three acts, three trials, 
I'm just I'm proud of that. Okay, that's like the one Listeners, thing I'm proud of. Listeners, you can't see it, but I'm gazing at Michelle with a look of love and adoration right now. <laughs> but yeah, like that, and that's I mean, and then of course the actual romance side of it, which is kind of what we're going to start doing, I think, in all of these is talking yes. about the romance. Everything is motivated by love. Yes, for, absolutely. For the main characters and for. With the exception, with the exception of Fezzik, but even then, like, you could make an argument for, like, Fezzik being motivated by his love and friendship for Inigo, but Inigo is motivated by, not just vengeance, but in, in the book, and, oh, damn it, the, the line that I read you before mm-hmm. of, of Inigo's, like, like, the deep love he had for his father, like, it... Other than the fact that yes, in the in the movie we're shown like we're shown this one thing about Inigo is that he yeah. wants that he wants vengeance, that he wants revenge for his father's murder. And it's you know, like that that's the thing that we're shown. Um and so you kind of guess, well he yes, he must have loved his father. He deeply loved his father. He, do- he deeply loved his father. Um and you know, you you definitely get more of that in the book, but mm-hmm. it kind of you know, yeah. you're by default. And then in everything that Wesley does is motivated by his love for Buttercup, mm-hmm. and and it is and like I said before, even his pa- even her passiveness yes is motivated by love. It's yeah, it's like the the people who don't have that motivation don't succeed in this movie. Yeah, the the people who don't essentially know love. Yeah, because it exactly. really doesn't seem like Rugen or. Uh, Prince Humperdinck have an understanding of what love even is or should no. be because of the way that they behave. Yeah. Like, agreed. Like Humperdinck's biggest flaw is hubris. We've talked about that, mm-hmm. but I would say his second biggest flaw is not being able to recognize the threat of love when it's there. I mean, he tries to kill Wesley, but he'd have done better to stick a sword through him. Like he would have, you make sure he's dead. Like I've seen one too many <laughs> things. You cut the head off, you bury it somewhere far away. You make sure he's dead. Decapitated, cryogenically really, freeze his head. Yeah, if you really want to make sure that love is dead, good luck. Because yes. at that point, death and cannot stop true love. love. All it all can, can do is, is delay it for a while. And it did delay him a little bit because mm-hmm. otherwise he'd have already been back. It's it slowed him down a touch. A touch. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. not gonna. So, first question I'm gonna ask you. Okay, lay it on me. Because I'm gonna do this after all of the rom coms we watch. Ooh. Okay. Do Wesley and Buttercup stay together? <laughs> I would say yes. And yeah. <laughs> I was I would say yes, and I'm getting that from uh from the book. Yeah. Because in in the edition cuz I I have two editions of the Princess oh, yeah, Bride. That's right. I cuz I have the one that that my dad bought in the 70s. Um and it actually has the line something blah 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 like something about uh Humperdinck being a son of a bitch. I had to keep this book well hidden when I read it at school because I had one teacher see the phrase son of a bitch on the back of a fifth grader's book, which did not go over well. Um but the the book that I have now, I bought myself a there's like a cheap paperback copy mm-hmm. um because I wanted to hold on to the one that to the one that yeah. was my dad's. Makes sense. Um so I bought this cheap paperback copy, and and in it, William Goldsman has has what he calls like the first chapter of the sequel. That's the book you loaned me. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is um, you know Buttercup, like Buttercup and Wesley. You know they have they have a daughter called Waverly. Yeah, and um, and the only chapter that you get of this book is is that. Um, you know, Inigo and, and Fezzik are around uh, Waverly. Like, Fezzik stays so close, stays so close to the daughter that Waverly just calls him Shade 
because he's so close that he's her shadow. And and that something happens and, like, Fezzik is wounded or Fezzik falls and dies or something like that, trying to protect yeah, her. Yeah, I've yeah, read yeah. that part, too. It's, yeah. it's really, really, really interesting. It's like, I would love more, but at the same time... At the same time, no. <laughs> at the same time, no. We don't need more of... of yeah. But yes, I 100% agree. Like, this is, you know... This is the the love story to beat. Yeah, almost. this this is um, our. I think of the two of us, like we've talked about it. This is one of our favorite love stories. Yes, especially which is really weird because normally we we hate movies where the girl doesn't do anything, but I think right. because that's done intentionally here. Mm-hmm. It's not done because women are are weaker or whatever. Right. It's literally done because that's that. This is the, this is the fairy tale story we're telling. Yes, and it's done satire, but but how do I say this? So. It's done with a love. It's there's definitely a love of the genre as well as it's done and the work. It's done very deftly and done brilliantly. Yeah. And so it's you know watching it now. Like I have not watched the movie in a few years, and it's when you've seen something as many times as I've seen this movie, mm-hmm. you tend to kind of turn your brain off, and so you don't. Think, oh yeah. So you don't necessarily think about some things, and and I mean like I was. I was guilty of that watching it this time too, even though like I did take notes on things. Um, but, um, you know, but I, there were a couple of times I prickled a little bit at, you know, like buttercup, like, why don't you do something? But she's not meant to. Exactly. And, and like I said before, I, I really, really am going to stick to this. Yes. Faith and her faith and love yes. is what makes her passive. And that's, and I, yes, I actually had a note. I, I did have a note in there of when I realized that, um, that what Buttercup brings it, like her, that her passivity is her, that is her showing her faith in love and her faith in Wesley. Yeah. Like I, I did have that note down. Yeah. Cause, cause I've always, not always, but in more recent times when I've watched it, been mm-hmm. like, I like everybody in this movie, but Buttercup do something. <laughs> yes. And, but, but now like I can look at it through that critical, like mm-hmm. she's not doing something on purpose. Yes. Right. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. She has to have faith that her man will save her. Mm-hmm. Which granted, I don't love in every movie. <laughs> right. But this is such a deconstruction of the genre. Yes. That it, it really, works. really is. Kind of in the, in the same way that, um, and this is this is a story that I could talk about forever, um, and I thought about including it in our list, but I didn't. But the last unicorn, kind of in the mm-hmm. same way that that the last unicorn is a deconstruction, especially the book, not so much the movie, mm-hmm. but the book is a deconstruction of of medieval literature, um, and the fact that that in that will like or Peter Peter Beagle includes stuff of like there's a butterfly who sings, "Won't you come home, Bill Bailey." And, like, it's literally just meant to be, you know, essentially, like, um, it's essentially meant to be a parody of the thing. Mm-hmm. And and where, like, where I think The Princess Bride is similar is that it's both, like, it's a parody and a satire of a certain genre. And, and I think, I think that's something unique that it manages to do that I don't think a lot of a Agreed. lot of, a lot of other films and particularly a lot of other love stories do. Yes, most most others wouldn't do the love story. They'd leave that out. Right. Or they would have her run off with Inigo at the end or something. Right. Um but yeah, like I I love this movie. So I think the next thing we need to do is rate it. Mhm. So from Twilight to The Princess Bride, <laughs> on a scale of a bad romance to an endless love. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I mean, like one to the like Princess Bride is kind of one of our perfect favorite ones. Yes. I think. Um, I mean, I would say probably ten out of ten would 10 watch 10. again. <laughs> yes, ten out of ten would watch. Would recommend. Yeah, it's yeah. it's such a great movie and two the, thumbs up. Fine holiday fun. Yeah, and if, like if you're in the mood for like a fantasy romance. Yes, I, and I send some... this one your way. Yeah. Yes. I would recommend this for you. And there are other fantasy romances that it's, we will get into. And with with the exception of the with the exception of like the RUSs, it's almost a non-fantasy fantasy. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know. It's got sword play. Almost it's almost old school like you could think about it like old school like Adventures of Robin Hood even. It, it without really is, without yes. the RUSs. Yeah, there's no magic, there's no nothing I mean, like, like that. There, we have we have, you know, the Miracle Man, you know, we have Miracle Max, but even that... But he could just be a medicine man. Like, yeah, exactly. That doesn't have it's, to be... Exactly. There's no... There's no hoodoo. There's no spells. There's yeah. no... Yeah. It's just... It's just, like, a fantasy world, but... It, yeah. But, like, it, it operates by the rules of the regular world, almost. Yep. So. <sighs> so, as you wish... It's a great, great movie. Yes. Gives all kinds of people love ways to tell someone they love them without telling them they love them. Yes. <laughs> but is there anything else we need to say? Is that it? I think that about covers it. All right. Well, then next time, do we, we're going to want to do next time? We'll figure that out. All right. <laughs> all right. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Couch Buddies, why not leave us a rating and review over on iTunes? And while you're at it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us by searching on social media. We're Couch Buddies Pod on Facebook and Twitter, on Tumblr at couchbuddies.tumblr.com, and you can email us at couchbuddiespod at gmail.com. 